Welcome to part two of my conversation with Dave Anderson, former technology director and tenure Amazonian. If you missed it, go ahead and check out part one of my conversation with Dave, where we discuss the important role of coaching and developing leaders, and Dave shares his insights and advice on management from his experience at Amazon. Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast, the show where I sit down with former Amazon executives to discuss Amazon's unique principles and processes and tease out how you can apply them to grow and manage your business. I'm Tyler Wallace, a seven-year former Amazonian, current brand consultant, and your host as we learn to think like Amazon. One of the mechanisms that Amazon is famous for that we've talked about in other episodes on the show is the bar raiser mechanism or bar raiser process to make sure that Amazon is hiring the best and raising that hiring bar with every new hire decision. I'm really curious to get your perspective as a member of the bar raiser core team. So maybe to start off, can you explain what that role was, what you did in that extracurricular responsibility you had at Amazon? Sure. But in general, you pick a few really good experienced people and see you're now bar raisers. You have the special responsibility and you can nominate new people and they'll become bar raisers. Over time, that's become a bigger and bigger process. And you have some of these organizations I was a part of where there's, I don't know, 2000 employees of which, I don't know, let's say 50 of them are bar raisers, of which 25 of them are active bar raisers because it's a very hard job and people get tired. And you're trying to help another five or six get trained at a time. You don't want to randomly choose of those 50 bar raisers. Hey, you and you and you and you, let's all get, you know, let's get 50 people in the room and make some decisions about how we're going to grow the bar raising group, who should be a bar raiser next, et cetera. And so uh, all the large organizations had a bar raiser core, which is essentially, you know, a leadership group of, let's say, six or seven bar raisers out of a group of 50 or 100. And you just, you know, it's just making decisions. Who is going to be what's called a Brit or a bar raiser in training? Should this person be graduated or not? This is the mentor for this person, but the mentor went on a leave of absence. Who should be their new mentor? What kind of training should we do? You know, we've been doing X training. Is there any way we can improve this? There's a long list. Is in large part it was not a formal like here are the 17 step process that the bar raiser core goes through, but it was auditing the bar raiser process and trying to make sure it's doing what the organization needs. And for a large part, the organization needs enough highly trained bar raisers that finding a bar raiser for a loop and having them do their job properly is never an impediment to getting positions filled. Um, the worst thing is because recruiters always attend those meetings. In fact, like the recruiting team would send a designee from the org. And so devices group, for example, would have recruiting person for devices show up and we would all have this discussion with a few of the major recruiters and the bar raising core team about how are we looking these days on getting a bar raiser onto loops? How hard is it? How many people do you have to contact before you find a bar raiser for loops? Is that slowing you down at all? Because you can you know, change your process back and forth all you want. But if you have to delay an interview loop for two days because you couldn't find a bar raiser for a loop, that's just not okay. So that's one of the major aspects of the job. It sounds like a very important job at Amazon and, and critical to the success and longevity of the bar raiser program itself. You mentioned a little bit, Dave, touching base with the uh, designee from recruiting and understanding if it, you know how difficult it was to get a bar raiser for an interview leap, for example. I imagine 
Amazon's a big place, right? You were not the BarRaiser Core, you know, on the BarRaiser Core team. There are multiple BarRaiser Core teams across different organizations, different geographies. So, you know, you give the example of maybe having a 2,000 person organization that you're performing this BarRaiser Core function for. And there are other organizations that have similar BarRaiser kind of captains or, or core team members. Is Amazon scales and, you know, keeps the consistency of this program. Were there certain inputs or metrics that you would use to calibrate how well the Barizer program was growing, developing, performing within the organization? Absolutely. And again, I, I think a lot of it ends up being about the throughput of getting enough Barizers who are active to be able to handle the interview loops. In large part, there's not a lot of metrics. There's some, but there's not a lot of metrics that give you a clue if the Barizers are doing their job really well. We usually would have some level of metrics in some organizations, uh, just the way Amazon's organized, so decentralized. Every BarRaiser core did different things. And so you, know, you would have people moving around. And that's, again, one of the advantages of having people move around at Amazon is you bring things you've learned. So I relieve one BarRaiser core and go to another. The new group has different metrics, different things they audit. You sometimes say, hey, is it possible for someone to pull this report? Because that report was super helpful in our previous group. But things we monitor for existing bar raisers would be things like the success rate of the people that they've hired. That's one of the harder metrics to pull is let's look two years down the road and see how many people that we've hired ended up staying. Are we seeing any hints that there's problems with people we're hiring or the pass rate fails for bar raiser loops in terms of, you know, this bar raiser only 8% of people get through their loops and this other bar raiser 50% of people get through the loops. That's a big discrepancy. And so you'd want to look at this and see if there's a clue of the, you know, is that the people that they're interviewing or is one buyers are much more strict than another? Those are things you want to fix right away because it can really impact the hiring quality of those groups. But a, a large part of the job is about figuring out the throughput and that's all about the recruiting metrics. And so you look at how many buyers are in the program, what's the average, what's the median of the number of interviews they do per week? How many interviews do we need to hire? So you work backwards. It's actually a really cool process of saying we're at a, I don't know, 1,500 people in the organization. It's January. By September or October, we need to hire an additional 300 people. Here's the proposed hiring ramp. To be able to have that many people, we need this many interview loops at the average rate of 30% pass. To have that many interview loops, we need to have this many phone screens at the average rate of 25% pass. Therefore, we're going to need this many phone screeners, this many bar racers, this many interviewers. And then you work backwards to say, if we need that many bar racers per week, how many bar racers do we need? And sometimes you'd say, okay, we need 52 active bar raisers. We currently have 27 active bar raisers. We have an emergency on our hands because either all of us are going to be working twice as hard as usual, or we need to get some trained bar raisers ready ASAP. And that's sort of what drives you to the more interesting discussions of process changes at Amazon to be able to fix problems because we are all about mechanisms. And Jeff's one of his best internal video, I think his only internal video of about mechanisms and why they're important is saying, you know, you could have great intentions of saying we need some more bar racers. Let's all try to train them really well. But that doesn't work and none of us believe it works. And so how do we train 30 bar racers over the next three months? Let's come up with a process. And so you invent something. You say, let's make a class of 10 people. We're going to put them all into this intensive whatever. Each one of them is going to get at least five interviews a week. We're going to talk to their management about giving them some slack on their projects. These are the kind of things that we've invented to be able to say... We figured out a way to get people the right amount of training so that we can be comfortable naming them bar racers so that we can handle the interview load that we know is coming 
over the next four or five months. I love that. Thank you for going into a little bit of depth in terms of how you would think about that process. And I'm sure it's become second nature to you over doing it for several years. But I think it's really insightful to apply that working backwards process. And to one of your last comments about you can't just rest on good intentions, you need to be planning for that. And so I, I loved your example of looking at that September number you need to hit working backwards to determine, okay, how many people do we need to go through this bar raising and training program? How many interview loops do they need to be conducting at certain times working back on that ramp plan? And then from there, come up with, okay, how many people do we need to be recruiting today or what course or classes or recruiting events for this buyers or program do we need to be hosting today or a month from now? And then you can track that, right? So you can measure, okay, how are we ramping according to that plan using those inputs? Certainly throughput of the buyers or processes is clearly important. But I also like that you mentioned briefly the quality as well and looking at comparing the median and pass rates and metrics across the bar raisers to flag, you know, not necessarily where there's obvious issue, but where you at least want to double click and see what's going on and why there might be an outlier. Dave, there have been many companies at this point that have either started or have begun thinking about implementing a bar raiser program or something similar to it to also hold a high caliber of uh, incoming hires for the organizations. Based on your experience and what you've now gone through, what advice would you have for an organization or a company thinking about trying to implement a bar raiser program for the first time? I think that some of the key aspects of the program, the one of the things that's just sort of funny is that it always is part of your normal job. You don't have a job of a bar raiser. Uh, I've had people, you know, every once in a while, someone at Amazon suggests like, hey, to scale this program, we should make people full-time bar raisers. But you want people to be interviewing and having a say in the hiring decisions. Like it's such a strong voice that they need to be people who are deep in the details of day-to-day work. You cannot stay connected to the details and be an excellent interviewer for a job if you're not doing a day-to-day job, doing interviews, working with the same people. And so... I think that's one of the things you have to be very careful about. You don't want to say you're now an official interviewer. You're an expert interviewer. That's your whole job. Similar to how uh, you know, some companies, not Amazon, will hire someone as a scrum master and they just run the weekly process. I don't think that works terribly well. I personally at least believe that having people on the team, you know, the, the people, members of the team doing the process makes it a much more efficient process and one that's more realistic about you know, what does day-to-day work look like. But I wrote the, actually right before leaving Bezos Academy, I wrote the bar raiser document, which was like, here's what the bar program is, which was a really fun experience to sort of work backwards to say, okay, I've been to the bar raiser program before. We should have one at Bezos Academy. It's a separate entity. Like it needs its own processes. But you look at the core aspects and it'd be, you have a very experienced person who you really trust their judgment and you only put people in the bar raiser program if they're experienced and you very much trust their judgment. So you need some kind of filter almost certainly has to be people in the Barzer program, choose other people in the Barzer program. You don't generally kick people out, so you need to be very careful, you know, sort of like promotions, you know, you need to be very careful about who you let in. You need to keep up with your rate of interviewing because the job is exhausting. And so you have to make sure that as your percentage of interviews goes up, you have to have that many more people being added to the program. So you need some kind of mentorship program of saying, I am observing this person they're pretty good at interviewing. I'm going to start coaching them and mentoring them. And the the coaching mentorship is sort of the more complex part of how do you make sure you're watching them, giving them feedback about the whole interview process. And then setting a small list of, I guess, uh, you know, powers. You, you don't want to call it 
um, you know, like the power of being able to say no to a hiring decision is very dangerous to give to someone. And so be, being very careful that this is both phrased as a responsibility, not a cool power that you get to lord over other people, but making sure that everyone understands why that ability exists. Uh, you know, the, the core aspect of the BioRacer program is just everyone on the team is biased towards something, whether it's hiring or not hiring or hiring a certain kind of person. And the BioRacer is about making sure there's an even bar that is a high quality bar uh, for hiring people. And so at Amazon, you have to have the BioRacer and the hiring manager agree to hire someone if someone else is implementing the process. That's a general idea is you pick someone whose judgment you trust on a different group and have them agree or not agree to hire someone. That's what the BioRacer program is. You could write the whole thing up in a paragraph if you wanted. So it's just putting structure around that kind of concept. I think that's a great list of considerations and very authentic given that you had to think through this in your role at Bezos Academy and coming up with a barrier like program there in that organization as a separate entity. Dave, the time's flown by and I feel like we could go on talking probably for another hour or so. This has been really great. And it's clear that you not only have lived a lot of these experiences, both formally through mechanisms like the barrier program, as well as just as somebody that develops people and helps people succeed that you work with or that are on your team. I know that you write a lot of content and good articles and resources on some of these topics. Where can listeners go to follow you or to read up on more of what you put out? Sure. Uh, well, my the main social media I, I actually pay attention to is LinkedIn. Just seems to be the professional place that most people go. So, you know, Dave Anderson is usually you can find me if, if you might have to add the word Amazon. I'm not sure. But uh, my website is scarletinc.com. And that's uh, also that's where I'm posting all my articles these days. And so that'd be the two best places to find me. Fantastic. We'll put links both to your LinkedIn profile and to your Scarlet Inc. website in the show notes here for those listening that want to check out more. Thanks again, Dave. It's been fantastic, fun conversation and happy to have you on the show. Thanks, Tyler. It's been great.